Hello and welcome to Indie Author Diaries, a weekly diary podcast with two indie writers. Your show hosts are Sarah Gay. Hi everyone. And me, Lisa M. White, and we're chatting about all things indie writing. Today is episode 14 and we are chatting about formatting. Um, it's all in line with that chat that we had back in episode 12 about putting your best work forward. So um, if you haven't listened to that, you can listen to that. Um, we've chatted with the cover designer last week, but this week we've got another guest. We are chatting with Ian Andrew, who has the most amazing, interesting background um, of someone I've chatted to recently. <laughs> and um, he's going to be chatting about formatting because he runs an e-course on how to format books as well as a, um, a company where he helps people publish books, but he's also a published author himself. So without further ado, um, welcome Ian. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Sarah. Thanks very much for having me on. Okay. So would you like to tell us how you got into creating an e-course and your business, um, Book Reality, to actually Certainly. help people publish? Um, my first novel was a cross mismatch of genres um, with a bit of a religious twist and there wasn't a publisher on the on the planet that was going to deal with it. Um, and so I looked into and researched independent publishing through print on demand that was now a, a, an option for authors. And having done it, I was quite impressed that uh, more people than my mother and my sisters read it. So. That gave me the um, credibility in my own mind to perhaps go on and write a series of crime novels. And at the time, I was running a training and consultancy business that I had set up after I'd left the British military and moved to Australia to live. Um, my last tour of duty had been as an instructor. It seemed obvious to keep that going when I moved to Australia. And I trained all sorts of things from leadership and management but I also trained Microsoft products as an accredited Microsoft trainer. And so I thought, having brought out my first crime novel, <clears throat> excuse me, that it would be a good idea if I set up a course that could teach other would-be independent authors what I had learned over the course of two books. And that's what I did. And I told them everything that I'd learned. And at the end of it, they came up and said, that's fascinating, but could you do it for us? And I thought, well, that wasn't, but that wasn't actually the purpose of the training course. But <clears throat> what fell out of that was this independent author assistance service. And what fell out of that was people coming back and saying, look, I'd really love to do my own formatting, but I just don't get how you do it so quickly and how you do it so professionally. And I thought, well, I could train Microsoft Word, for example, the way I used to, which was 10 or 12 people around the country in stages. Or I could harness the um, potential of online courses nowadays and put an online, um, what was originally a free course to see how it was, um, how it came over, how it was accepted. But a free course that runs about an hour and would teach people from beginning to end how to actually harness the power of a Word document and use the formatting tools that were within it. So I put that out, it subsequently became a, a 10 Australian dollar course. Um, it runs for an hour, it's $10. I then put out a bigger course which incorporates all of the formatting, but that also deals with cover design and editing and all the rest of the things that you need to know. And that actually goes out for $20. Um, and over 7,500 people currently have taken that formatting or the larger course. So it seems to go over quite well. It's really good that I've I did the ebook one and I thought it was fantastic. It helped me do all the cookbooks and I it helped me do my fiction novella and yeah, I'll be using it when I'm doing the next book. So um I I thought it was really useful. Do you also do print book formatting in your big course? Um no, no. Thanks head and shame. Um I set up the book Reality Academy. And the concept that I had when I set it up was I would do an introduction to professional and what I call professional independent publishing. Yeah. Those would be authors who want to what was always called self publish, but without the hangover of the vanity label and with professional cover designers, professional editors, professional formatting, 
And you know, I can hire a cover designer that used to work for Penguin. I can hire yeah. an editor that still works for Simon Simon and Schuster. Yeah. Um, and I I'm passionate about the fact that it takes one or two to drag all of us back down to the oh you're an you're a self-published author said with a slur as yeah. opposed to <laughs> you independently program manage everything and project manage everything to an X standard and it's like yes I do. Yeah. Um, so I decided that I would have the academy and I would do five courses that would deal with each aspect and one of them would be print formatting in exactly the same way as I did ebook formatting. And this is a long meandering excuse to say that writing caught up with me and I started getting other contracts given to me by other would-be authors to help them. And rather than them paying the editor, them paying the cover designer, them doing their formatting, they came, they came to my business and we provide that as a service to them. And sadly, that took me away from doing the print formatting book, which is now only two and a half years overdue. <laughs> but it's coming. It's coming. Oh, it's coming. It's definitely coming. <laughs> well, it's okay. It's, it's taking me a while to finish my book anyway. So... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll come at the right time. <laughs> it'll be faster than that. But Ian, I have to say, I am blown away by the price of your courses. I, I know people that have spent so much more than that. Um, and I mean, for that price, I, I would really say to anyone who, who is into indie publishing to just do it. And yeah. even for a refresher, you know, um, I was looking up your website, Book Reality, and um I was even blown away by that price for the whole lot. So when I started um, writing, you know, almost five years ago now, I actually did go with a company who did all that for me um, because when I started, I mean, I knew how to write a book, but I had no clue how to format. I had no clue about page margins and um, you know, even the font to use, I, I was just, if, if you could do everything wrong with self-publishing, I was that person. Um, so a company like yours that can actually get you out there, um, especially while you're learning yourself. I mean, yeah. I do all my own formatting now, covers, all of that. But, you know, that's, that's a good five years down the track. Um, so do you think that anyone who's going out for the first time to actually publish a book should look into something like that? Well, um, we'll go back to the price level. I, the, the one thing that independently published authors normally are not is um, blessed with vast amounts and reservoirs of cash. And my thinking is that you know, I, I'm sure I could charge $149.99 for a one-hour course and people, some people would sign up to it. But do you know what? I'd rather sell it for a $10 and know that, you know, 7,000 people could sign up to it. And um, sadly, by the way, you don't do the quick calculation and go, oh my goodness, look at all that money you've made. Um, sadly, <laughs> sadly the, the, the hosting software and the thingy software, and they all take a cut too. Um, but my point about it was, it, I've got this information in my head, and as an accredited Microsoft trainer, I would look rather that we can professionalize the independent author market across the board, and that requires us each to help each other with the skill sets that we've got. So I've got cover designers that could charge $5,000, but because we're independent, they don't charge me or my clients anywhere near that, but they still get the top quality of their product so they're not they're not diluting their product so my point was if i'm a professional microsoft accredited trainer i don't need to dilute my product but i should make it available for for any with regard to should other people learn i am passionate that independent authors if they're going to take it seriously should learn as much as possible about the business yeah. now whether they decide they want to do that themselves they should still learn about it. So the authors that have come to me, um, and, and we, we never set out to be an independent publishing company, but because, and so we didn't have a marketing spend, but because of word of mouth, I've now, in fact, today, the 6th of December, we now publish our 20th novel um, come book. 
So we've got some faction, some factual, and some fiction books. But our twentieth novel comes out today. Oh, um, wow. So that's well, quite congratulations. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Or congratulations to two authors in the UK: one who has just brought out a serial killer crime novel, and one who's brought out her travel journey um, stories. But that I still encourage them to learn as much as they possibly can about how their book was formatted, how the cover designers work, um, especially how editors work, because they're going to have to work with one. We won't, we won't do anything with, a, with an author unless they get their book professionally edited. Yeah. Um, and you know, they go, but that's expensive. Yes, it is, but someone's going to have to pay for it. And if you treat it like a hobby, mm. and by that I don't mean treat it amateur, but if, you, you know, if, you're, a, if you're into fishing, you're going to spend an awful lot more than the cost of an editor on boats and rods and holidays and goodness knows what they're going to take you around the planet to fish. Well, if you want to be a professionally independent published writer, then you're going to have to spend some money on an editor. But you should understand what those editors will do and what those editors will not do. You should understand what an edit is and the various flavors it comes in. So even if they're not going to do it themselves, they should thoroughly understand the marketplace. And even if they're not going to do the formatting themselves, I do think that they should have an awareness of what it incurs. I think I totally agree. I, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but I, um, I think even though you don't want to be doing every single part of the business yourself down the track, especially you know, when you're busier and you're writing more um, and selling more, I think I totally agree that you need to know how every part of the machine works because um, one, it protects you when things fall apart. Two, it helps you interview and hire the right person for the role that you need fulfilled. Um, but also it also gives you an understanding of how long the job takes to do roughly what's involved in doing the job. And so when you're getting a quote for someone to do that work for you, you know if it's in the ballpark or if it's way off. Like I, I'm not a techie person, but I know how to manage my website. And so when I was hiring someone to create a website for me when I didn't have the time to do it for the cooking show and I got this quote back that was, you know, astronomically <laughs> a lot bigger than it should have been. And it was clear when I was chatting to the guy, he had no idea what needed to be done so he was going to charge me happily for him to learn how to do it and it's like no 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 no. I'm sorry you can shave a couple of thousand off that because it, it won't take that much time and in the end you didn't I found someone <laughs> who actually charged the right amount for the amount of work so I think that kind of thing it, it, it's important to understand all of these different parts of the writing business. I totally agree and the business aspect of it, it, it is a business. People have to remember that there's no entitlement to this. You don't walk into a bookshop to distribute your book and they have to take your book. They, they've got no requirement to. They take your book if they make money on it, and that's great. Um, web designers, everybody is entitled to make money, but nobody, and well, I believe, nobody is entitled to gouge. And the one thing that I've come across is going to the likes of a, and the one thing that I don't do well at all, and I'm very, very transparent with my authors when they come to me and I say, this is what I can do, what I cannot do, is I'm useless at marketing. Yeah. I don't have the contacts, I don't have the wherewithal, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing with it. <clears throat> I can hook you up with people who are very good at marketing. In fact, I could hook you up with companies that have done traditional publishers marketing. But if you've got the 25,000, 40,000, 75,000, or the one that I was famously quoted, which I thought was very precise and I've never forgotten, $141,400.75. And I thought, well, that's different. Um, to run a, a campaign across the Sydney metro area for a book. Wow. Um, but that's fair because they're normally dealing with huge companies yes. they're, and they're going to put the same effort and the same uh, resources into dealing with little old Ian Andrew well yeah but little old Ian Andrew can't afford that so yeah. so <laughs> I totally agree with you you have to be savvy about the business side you have to realize it is a business but if you do go to some big players 
expect big um, quotes. Yeah. And yeah. adjust your cloth accordingly, I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think um, I think marketing is my Achilles heel in this game. Uh, <laughs> I say everything else. I, I do everything else myself. We, you know, we do the covers, websites, um, all the formatting. I, I'm absolutely in love with vellum, which you, I'm sure you've heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have a handle on all of this. It, it, when it comes to the marketing, I'm still scratching in my head most days because um, I'm still playing that game and figuring out what works. Uh, <laughs> I'm Sorry. just mesmerized that people don't come to me and go, oh my goodness, I never heard of you, but I want to buy your books. I mean, yeah. if that just happened, that would save a lot of hassle, you know? <laughs> That's That'd <funny>. be nice. <laughs> um, so what, what are some of the rookie mistakes that newer authors, you tend to find they make when they're putting their books together? So the rookie mistakes are that they don't use the power. So I'll, I only recommend Word because the vast majority of people have got Word on their computers and it doesn't cost them any more. Word is a perfectly valid and perfectly good tool to format any print or ebook. Um, and when I say format, this is not the conversion to the required um, ebook um, types of files this it doesn't convert to epub or mobi this is getting your book ready to go through a conversion process the likes of apple or amazon's kindle conversion what they don't do is they do not use the inbuilt inherent power of word the the likes of word styles word font that is appropriate the page setup the page layout the headers the footers the hyphenation models for print or ebook. What they do is they, they use tabs to indent their paragraphs. Well, an ebook doesn't like tabs. In fact, print book, print on demands don't really like tabs. They format each paragraph independently, and therefore, if they decide to change their mind, they're now going to have to reformat the whole document. If they use the power of Word properly in the original concept, and they subsequently decide that they don't want their book at 12 font, they want it at 11, and they subsequently don't want their first paragraphs not indented, or they want um, dropped capitals. If you formatted it correctly at the start, you should be able to reformat a 90,000 word crime thriller in about 10 minutes. If you've done it correctly at the beginning, now, I've had a, a, an author send to me a, an outstanding two-volume biography of a, a, a 19th century first, not quite first fleet, but convict that was sent to Australia. Her father has written this book. <coughs> Excuse me. It's going to be a total of um, oh, 300,000 words, about 1,000 pages. Wow. It's going to be split into two volumes. But the upshot of it is it it couldn't possibly go to print at the moment because whilst he is a superb researcher and author, her father didn't understand how to use Word. And all of that has to be stripped, brought all the way back to the raw text, and then reformat it from scratch. Now, that's not a one-hour job. That's going to be probably three or four days depending on bibliographies depending on all sorts because the other thing that they didn't harness were all the reference materials that you could use in word like properly uh, dynamic tables of contents that hadn't been set up they, they'd handwritten tables of contents they'd hand numbered pages so of course as soon as you edit a page the title for the next chapter drops onto the next page, which changes the table of contents. And if that's all not automatically engaged, which it can so easily be on yeah. Word, then that's man, what, what I would call manually having to do it, mandrolically trying to drive your book. Um, and for the purposes of gender equality, womandrolically trying to drive your book. And, and neither one is simpler. Um, they're atrocious. Whereas if you set that up properly, you can happily add bibliographies, extra chapters, delete chapters, move chapters around, and Word just responds and reacts to you. Um, 
and it sounds complicated but it, it so isn't you there are very complicated ways of teaching it if you're um, silly and you want to make it sound like it's a really hard thing to do but there are actually very easy ways of teaching it which is you you practice on one paragraph and once you've got that one paragraph right you that's what you use you use that throughout the rest of your book to to set things up properly I and i think that's like, how my course sorry i just say i liked that in your course because you've got the video where you screen share and you show how to do it and then you provide people with a book um to work with like it was one of yours i think is it flight path and yeah. and um yeah and so you show every uh, section so you show people how to do the headers how to do the chapter headers to make the space between the top of the page and the title um, how to format the paragraph and set up the style in there and you can practice everything as you go and then you get to the end and you realize okay now I know how to do the whole book um, so that's really cool but what about things yeah, I, are, sorry yep <laughs> no I was going to say yes I, I, I did uh, egotistically use my own first crime novel as the as the example book so there you go <laughs> yeah but you don't have to worry about you know anyone's copyright with that so it's smart <laughs> it's, the, it's a smart thing to do um, but so in terms of like rookie mistakes and things that look homemade and things that look professional, like, yes, this could have been from any top publisher. Um, what are the things to avoid? I, I know I see a couple with weird spacings, um, non indentations. Um, yeah. All those kinds um, of things. Yeah, the weird spacings. My first editor of my first book came back to me and said, what's with all the spacing? And I said, well, I thought, goodness, you don't, you don't know how to use Word. I said, oh. I said it's, it's justified, you know, and, and if you justify a document in technical writing, um, there are different spaces between words. And she said, yeah, I, I know that. She looked at me like I was a complete idiot. She said, yes, I do know that. She said, that's fine for technical writing, but have you never heard of hyphenation? And I'll be completely and utterly honest, I had to go to my bookshelf and pick up any novel, any fiction novel that I had on my bookshelf and you open the page and automatic hyphenation is where, when a word ends at the end of a sentence, word automatically puts in a hyphenated dash and drops the word onto the next line and i've been reading books for quite some time now and i don't think my brain had ever picked that up <laughs> and i said to her oh my goodness i've never noticed that and i then thought i remember when i was doing my accredited microsoft courses they talked about hyphenation so i did actually have to go off and google it to remind myself how to turn it on and sure enough it's one click and your whole book reformats in one go, and those weird spaces within a line disappear. And instantly your book looks more professional. I was like, oh, well, that's good. Thanks very much. Um, and so an awful lot of what, what I want my book to look like came from that one example on the first book, whereby, well, I'd like my books, the subsequent ones, to look like crime novels. So I picked up all of the crime novels that were on my bookshelves and looked through them and said, okay, how do they, what font are they using? What size are their page numbers? What are the positions of their page numbers? When I came on to help an author with a biography, I went to my bookshelf and picked up a biography and said, okay, well, the author's name and the name of the chapter appear at the top left and top right of each page. And the pages are on the top or the bottom right and bottom left. So I, I basically went and picked a book that I liked the style of and then recreated it within the Word document for that person. Oh, that's really cool. Um, and what about, so in terms of page margins and all of that, so you basically did all of that from... Uh, well, um, I took a leaf out of um, the good old, sadly demise, Create Space. Um, Create Space used to have downloadable templates that were pre-formatted with margins and headers and footers. I've got to say the print-on-demand margins, headers and footers are, I mean, Ingram do a fantastic job. Ingram Content Group are superb, and I have to say that because I'm on their international advisory board, and, but I would say anyway, they are absolutely superb. But where they explain their headers, footers, margins, and how their page setups are, 
that is easy to understand if you really know your way around Word. It's actually quite difficult to understand if you do not. Um, but create space just to give you a downloadable template. Yes. That's superb because it, you know, for a eight inch by five inch or whatever that is in millimeters um, page setup, they absolutely dictated, you know, 0.6 margins, 0.13 gutters, uh, mirror margins, which is a Northern Irish way of saying the word M-I-R-R-O-R. So I don't know how you pronounce that in Australia. Um, <laughs> um, but mirror margins, again, professionalize your document because they obviously provide the, the internal margin and the external margin on alternative pages. All of which were superb. Sadly, Create Space have now demised, but you can now find enough books out there. Or, I mean, anybody is, I'm more than happy for anybody to drop me an email and say, What are the margins for X amount of book? And I just, I'll happily provide them for absolutely no further obligations. Cool. That's good. So, in any other tips with formatting books then? So, basically, start with digital, learn um, how to use. Well, the, um, mm, it, it's no? interesting. Okay. <laughs> Were I to pull my finger out and write this um, printing formatting book, um, the the sad news is that you're going to end up with two formatted books, preferably. Yeah. Your print book will have margins. Your print book may have headers and footers. Your print book will certainly normally have page numbers embedded in the footer. It will and could have drop capitals. It will have a number of things that your ebook simply won't, because your ebook could be read on a on an iPad with a Kindle app on it. It could be read on a smartphone with a Kindle app on it. It could be read on an Apple iBooks app, and it could be read horizontally or vertically. So your ebook has to be um, thoroughly formatted so that it can be free flowing. That requires no headers. There's no footers, no page numbers, because obviously a page number on an iPhone is going to be of no use if it was a page number on an iPad. Um, and that means that you're going to end up with two formatted documents. Now, there are aggregators out there who will tell you that they will take your one single Word document and format it for all things. And those aggregators are fantastic, and I use a number of them for my own book distribution. However, they're automated conversion processes are exactly that they are automated and i'm sad to say that formatting it is not a case of one size fits all if you want full control yeah and you know it does come down to i am a slight control freak with regards to my formatting and my grammar and my apostrophes um but if you're a if you want full control of your formatting then you need to produce two separate formats the ebook is the easiest. You don't have to worry about margins. You don't have to worry about drop capitals. But what you also have to make sure is that all the blank pages that you would have in a print document. So when you open your, your book, you want your chapter to start normal convention for Western um, nations. You would want your first chapter to start on the page that would be on the right hand side. And that may require that you know your title page starts on the right hand side, then you have a blank page, then your page chapter starts. Well, obviously on an ebook, nobody cares about blank pages because you're just scrolling up. So again, you have to remove all of those. The thing we spoke about hyphenation, hyphenation doesn't hyphenation is automatically free flowing in an e-document and therefore can be taken out of the word document before you publish. So those differences, um, ebook is easiest, and that's why I did the ebook course first and foremost, because it's actually the easiest for authors to get their head around. And at the time, independently published authors by majority were going to e-publications and Kindle publications. Um, now, of course, with the advent of professional independent publishing going to print on demand so much more, um, it is about time I pull my finger out and finish this other course. Yeah, well, people are really talking now about formatting not just print books anymore, but also the large print and doing hardbacks. And so, um, yeah, I think that would be interesting. I mean, are there, is there much difference with that? Do you have experience with the, the well, large print and the hardback? I don't have experience of large print. Um, uh, I'm aware of 
obviously large print formatted books and then actually was asked to provide one of my books for a library and um, when we subsequently got down the path um, there had been just a simple miscommunication um, so I, I, have, I have not produced a formatted large print book but if you start with a professionally formatted document that incorporates all of the um, techniques that Word provides changing it to a large print format book is actually quite simple. Yeah. The, the other side of the hardback, obviously hardbacks have different cover requirements and therefore different margin requirements. They also tend to have different header and footer requirements. It's much more usual within a hardback to have this author name at the top and the book name at the top or the chapter name. Um, so, for example, I do have a book that we brought out this year. It's a it was a lovely story of an author who was only going to publish for his family, um, but the book was so good we determined that he should independently publish it and it became bestseller in category on Amazon on the morning it was released. So that was a lovely story for him, but we've had that book in hardback, paperback, Kindle format, e-publication format, um, and all the hardback, the paperback, and the electronic book raw source document, that's three different formats. Um, now, the likes of Vellum and the like, you would have one format, so therefore if there was one change to the document, you merely make the change in the one document and you convert and distribute. That's obviously an example for Vellum, or an, um, a huge advantage for the likes of Vellum and the likes of automated conversion processes. Um, but for most independent authors, Vellum's another another product to learn, whereas they actually already know how to use Word because that's what they're writing in. Yes. Um, so there, there's, there's advantages and disadvantages. How do you find Vellum, sir? Yeah, I mean, I, I love Vellum. You know, uh, you talk about doing the Word documents and things. I actually started with the Create Space template that you were telling me about. Um, it, it took me days to get not so much the ebook. But to do the print version, I uh, somehow I'd change my my content and it, it was all over the place. So um, when Vellum came on the market, I thought I'd, I'd give it a go when the print came on to the market because it was originally just for ebooks. Um, and I love it. it. It takes me, you know, half an hour to to really load it, go through it all. And I've got my print book already there um so yeah i mean i'm a mac lover so <laughs> yeah i've got a pc that, that automates my life and uh you know causes me less stress i go with um so yeah i love it and i love that i can do the like um add my own photos um my own book cover to it <laughs> Um, and I like that I can play with headers and put, you know, coloured headers in for the ebook, but it comes out, you know, with your black and white um, <coughs> for the print book. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a big advocate of it, um, obviously, because I'm not tech savvy per se. <laughs> it's an interesting thing that um, the, the only other bit of tech that I use is uh, a program called Calibre, which I'm, I'm sure... I use Calibre as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure an awful lot of PC users would be familiar with. Calibre is extremely good at converting to e-publication if your input document is well formatted in the first place. Um, <coughs> and that's where this... Um, getting your Word, doc, getting your input um, be Word document free, but right through Calibre, then just sails through the conversion process. Getting it wrong uh, is where you end up spending two weeks trying to figure out why your document yeah. is, is, is all over the place. Yeah. Why is there an extra line here? <laughs> why is there a blank page here? That took me forever to call. Yeah. Blank pages. I mean, just for anybody that's using Word, um, Word will throw in extra blank pages. If you've got a header and a footer and you change the, you know, where it, the page numbers follow on from previous sections. So obviously we go one, two, three, four. Um, if you're having a print book with uh, imagery in it, it tends to be you would turn the print, the page numbers off for the picture pages, and then yeah. you turn the page numbers back on. But if you start your page number back again from one, Word has a tendency to throw an extra blank page in. 
And I've had people spend a week trying to figure out how to turn that off and then they get in touch. And, and whilst you want to send the quick email that says, oh, that's simple, just do this. You also know that if you send that quick email and say, oh, that's simple, just do this, then they'll come and track you and haunt you and find you and stab you because they've spent a week of their <laughs> trying to figure out what you've said. Oh, it's only two minutes. You, know, you can do that in one click. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's another thing as well, like with Scrivener, um, you can technically export in Scrivener, but I, I don't like using Scrivener for that. I like writing in Scrivener. I like the control that I have in Word, so maybe I'm a control freak too, but I feel that I can do a lot more with it. I'd like... You I, guys are actually the perfect pair to be talking. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> um, me, I would, like to, I would like to point out that I think anybody that decides to independently publish needs to be a, a, just a tad, just a tad of a control freak. Yes. <laughs> Or, or what would be otherwise called a very successful project manager. That's, but, um, yes. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a nicer term. <laughs> I think I spend half of my time winging it, don't I, Lisa? I'm like, that last... Some people learn by experience, <laughs> My husband says I have a superpower, you know. I, I leave everything to the last minute, but somehow it always works out. <laughs> don't know how but it happens so Ian do you have any other shortcuts or tips for us um, or any of our listeners going forward in, um, you in see, if, I was a if I was a wonderfully savvy businessman I would say yes the only tip you need is to log on to my site and do the course um, <laughs> oh I love it I love it <laughs> and, and that is what, what was that site again <laughs> yeah, um, yeah we'll come back to that um, but the, the, the best tip is, is what I tell every author that ever comes to me. Do you know what the best tip is for being an independently published author? Finish your book. Yeah. Yes. Oh, um, yes. You can worry about, for, I mean, it's easy to reapply word formatting to a finished document. Even this multiple volume tome that I'm talking about, um, once there's a button that strips all formatting out, you can restart again. And mm. um, whilst yes. it's not the fastest, most effective way of doing it, um, that you cannot format a document that isn't finished or well you can but you cannot publish a document that isn't finished so the best and biggest tip is finish your book and then take the time because you're going to have a lot of time to play around between the day you finish and the day you publish then that's the time that you can worry about how you're going to format it and make it look um, professional and to to a point as good as anything else that is out there, you should be able to pick up your book now. And other than the fact that my, my major complaint with independently publishing companies, the likes of Amazon, the likes of um, Ingram, is their paperback covers are just not heavy enough. Mm. Um, it's the, I mean, the internal paper is exactly the same grade. The internal print is exactly the same grade. The spines are glued the same way. Everything is the same. But the bigger the book, um, the, the lighter, the, the lightness of their cover material on a paperback actually is what differentiates the two. It's not really an issue on a crime novel that's maybe a five by eight inch trim size. But, you know, if you pick up a book from the shelf, you should be capable of picking up a Penguin book and an independently published book and be hard pressed to tell the difference. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they do amazing you know, Sorry, like, sir. They do an amazing job these days. Like, I'm really impressed with what we can do as independent publishers. I mean, we can find what works for us as far as um, different programs, you know, what works for you, stick with it. Um, I mean, if you get really hard pressed, you can always find a formatter on Fiverr. Um, I've found a lot of people are happy. Um, to outsource to someone on Fiverr that can do it for them. Um, if they're crap, you can always find another one. Um, you know, I mean, even with the print, you know, I've, I've tried around with CreateSpace, um, Ingram. Uh, I absolutely love Blurb um, for print books. I find their covers come out just beautiful, you know, very glossy. Um, they haven't dulled the, the, uh, the cover artwork 
um, and things like that. And like you said, I mean, as when you keep playing around with it, you're going to find what works. And I think the biggest thing Lisa and I are trying to get across, because uh, like we said, we, we, uh, we love to review indie books and there's been some where we're just so disappointed lately because they haven't put their best work out there. They haven't bothered formatting it properly. The, the editing is like an editor hasn't even looked at it. And these are things that are very easily solvable. Um, if you look, uh, you read about it, you know, do courses like you've got where it gives you that insight on how to do it. And um, I think that's what we're trying to get across to people at the moment is that it's really, it's not beyond us to put something out that looks as good and reads as good as pre uh, traditionally published. Hmm. Absolutely. And I think I would like, say that the one thing, oh, sorry, no, sorry could, I was just going to say, I mean, you could, you can hire someone like you're saying for $5 or you can do the course for 10 and do it, learn yourself <laughs> and yeah. do it yourself. Um, and that way you've always got the flexibility if you change anything down the track. To update it. I would say, and I don't think it's in my formatting course, but one of the things that just grips me a lot is the inability of people to use the spell checker. <laughs> and, you know, I get it. I've got books out there and there are typographical errors in my books, with, yes. without doubt. And I had it well explained to me once by a chap who was very, very knowledgeable in the business. Um, and he said, you know, back in the good old days, it was always some old greasy old guy covered in ink, or, um, ink from the printing process who individually placed the letters and the apostrophes and the full stops in a rack that was then sent off for printing. He said, he was your last, he was your last, oh, we're just having an earthquake in Bali. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay, well, no, there's no. a little bit of excitement <laughs> for the podcast. We can't say that happens every week. Glad you're okay. Right. I have no idea what we were talking about. No, oh, yes, spell checking. Um, yeah. Yes, the last little greasy old fella that was all covered in printer's ink was the chap who would put in every individual letter and every individual comma. And as this fella told me, he said, he was your last typo check. He was the guy that said, did you really mean to spell there that way? He said, and in the best will in the world nowadays, even with teams of editors, and the fact that they're all printed out on page and they're not reading them on screen, but even then, the eye still has a tendency to occasionally miss. Yes. And so, you know, I've had a book that was out for a year and a half until someone contacted me and said, on page X, did you mean to say slopped? And I said, pardon? And when I went back, it was the concrete sloped to... A position but I put in slopped yeah. but hundreds of people had read that book by that time if not thousands and nobody had picked it up and typos are obviously something we should strive to keep out but as long as they don't throw the reader out of the story and as long as there are minimal typos yeah. but the people that cannot seem to use a spell checker um, just infuriate me. I mean, there's no excuse for it. And, and that's a tool that comes on every single program, Vellum, Scrivener, Word, there's no excuse. Yes. Um, and I get, very, I get very annoyed by it. And then, yes. of course, I get especially annoyed when someone points out to me that I've used the wrong word. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've had a few of those. Yeah. It's the book where it's like, pick the correctly spelt word, word rather than... Yeah pick the random typo but yeah i i do know and this is a proven fact and the chap that runs the award it's an independent author award in the united kingdom he had a book sent to him for an award submission which had over two thousand typos in <laughs> oh my goodness wow wow when he told the author that he couldn't really accept it the author went off on one and ranted at him and yeah yeah wow yeah, I think yeah, I think that perfectly sums up. So listen to this episode <laughs> and the others, and put your best work forward, people, uh, including. Oh, I suppose course. I should give you the link. Book reality. Yeah, I was going to say. So, would you like to tell us about your course and about you and your fiction writing and how everyone can find your course because. We've talked it up. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, the bookrealityacademy.com is where our courses hang out. And there's two courses on there. There's also the same courses available through the online 
Udemy. Um, <gasps> I love Udemy. Uh, same course, but the actual formatting course is only available through the Book Reality Academy. Is that .com or .com.au? .com. Okay. So, in fact, I, I'm quite sure that .com.au probably goes to the same place too. Okay. Um, bookrealityacademy.com. Our main website is bookreality.com. And my website is inandrewauthor.com. And they all rather link together. And um, book reality is where we list what we do for other authors. And um, we're analogous to a lawn mowing service. So of course you can mow your own lawn. You can buy your own lawnmower. You can learn all about gardening and grass cutting and you can do it all. And don't let anybody tell you you cannot. Um, obviously you have to hire an editor like a lawnmower. You have to hire a cover designer like applying fertilizer. Um, but all the rest of it can be done yourself. We're simply that lawn mowing service that if you don't have enough time or you're not tech savvy or you basically can't be bothered to find your own editors and cover designers, we'll do that for you. Um, we also have moved now with a parent company called Leshenault Press where we're entering into a more traditional mode where we'll pay for everything and take a royalty share. Um, but it does come down to, it's, it's quite simple, it's a business. So we will pay for everything up front and take a royalty share if we believe that we can market and distribute the book effectively. Cool. If we think, or indeed if the author doesn't want an ongoing relationship royalty share, then you know it's quite simple. It's a fixed price, fixed contract with absolutely no surprises. And that's the other thing I would say. There are some publishing assistance companies out there who don't give you a fixed publication date. They don't give you a transparent word by word, this is what we're going to do for these costs. And there are authors who are thousands of dollars into a company with absolutely no sign of their book ever being published or even near to publishing. So if you're going to use an assistance service like ours, obviously use ours. Um, but if you're going to use anybody else's, just make sure that you know exactly what your money's getting you before you sign the contract and before you do anything with regards to um, your book. And obviously, never ever sign away your rights unless you're getting very good financial compensation for it. Mm, cool, that's true. And would you also like to tell us about your fiction and um, what you're doing? Oh yeah, um, currently, currently I'm in the middle of an earthquake in Bali, so that's nice. Um, and I'm ghostwriting for a, a, a client of mine who has um, three uh, technological thrillers. Um, he's got brilliant stories, um, but he simply didn't know how to try and write them. So we've come over to get away for, from uh, the tedium of normal life to have three weeks brainstorming uh, the story arcs for three books and then we'll take that forward and I'll write them. So that's what I'm currently doing. That is fantastic and I am blessed, but it has got in the way of me producing the fourth of my own crime novels because that's on the shelf rather. Um, so I brought out a, an alternative history novel back in 2014, which was called A Time for Every Purpose, um, a, a big sci-fi alt history uh, wander through uh, things that interested me, like those what-if moments. Um, and from that, I then decided that as I was a former military intelligence officer, I would maybe put some of my background to a bit of use. And I decided to write a crime thriller based on two intelligence officers who've now retired and are now private investigators. Um, so the first of those was Face Value. The second is Flight Path. And the third is Fall Guys. And luckily, Face Value won the New York-based Publishers Weekly Best Novel of 2017. So it was awarded that last December in New York. And that's through the Book Life, the independent author's arm of Publishers Weekly. Um, so that was, that was a very nice thing to happen. Um, it also came with a very nice prize fund. But it gave... It gave me that thing that I think most independent authors lack, which is, uh, for want of a better phrase, that pat on the head that says, actually, yes, you can do this. 
Yeah, confirmation or confidence. Yeah, it's the confirmation. Traditional authors have that in spades. You know, they've they've got a they've got a full house hand in front of them because someone has said you're good enough for us to publish. And independent authors can suffer a lot from the oh I wonder. And for a for a for a multinational organization like Publishers Weekly to say, well, actually, not only can you write, but you can write better than all the rest of the novels we got this year and have a nice day, here's your first prize, um, was, a, was a lovely thing to happen. So yes, face value, when you go on to buy it now, it's got that strange little sticker on its front cover that says, oh, like the prize winner 2017. Um, so, and, and Lisa, it just, I, think we, I think you just nailed it on the head of what we were talking about last week. We were talking about imposter syndrome and how we, we struggle with really recognising that we're authors. So all we need to do is win a publisher weekly. <laughs> and then oh. we can say that. <laughs> do you know and what then all I will be think, okay. <laughs> I think the best advice I have ever received on the whole thing um, was from Stephen King. And no, he didn't tell me directly. It was a quote of his that I saw online. And I have taken it as my mantra, and to paraphrase him, he basically says, if you have written something yeah. and someone has sent you a check because they, they bought it, and that check, you cashed it and it didn't bounce, and you used it to pay the gas bill or the electricity bill or whatever, then I consider you are talented. And I thought... Yep, that, that's it. I mean, it might not pay the gas bill. It might only buy an ice cream, but I'm, I'm taking that and running with it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's good. <laughs> well, thank you very much for chatting with us, Ian. Um, please let us know when you get a chance to do the print formatting course, because I will do it. Certainly <laughs> will. And um, hope everything is safe over there in Bali with your earthquake. Have things stabilised now? Has it passed or is it still happening? Yeah, no, no, no. The, it, it just shook a bit and then okay. it, it's gone away. I'm probably going to Google tsunamis, but that's okay. <laughs> I think that's right. Well, we will end it there so you can. <laughs> Have a great rest of the day and good luck with the, with the rest of the book. And Thank you ever so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks. You're Sarah. welcome. Okay, well, thank you, everybody. Um, if you've got any questions for us, just leave a message on Instagram or through Anchor or through the Facebook page. And, um, yeah, make sure you subscribe and listen to the rest of our episodes. All right, everybody, have a great week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.